to Psalm 3. I'll be reading the third psalm. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Yahweh, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Yahweh, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to Yahweh, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for Yahweh sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Yahweh. Save me, O my God. For you strike my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Blessed is the reading of God's Holy Spirit inspired prayer and song to our hearts to our situations, to our walk down here with Him. Holy Father, let us go with David this morning and identify with Him in that, like Him, You called us to Yourself. Through Jesus. May we find instruction on how, what to pray throughout this week, this month, whether on the top of a mountain or in a dark valley of death. You were good. And because of your Son, you answer us from your holy hill. So help me be faithful to this psalm, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Have you ever just felt overcome with the prospect that you may be losing everything? Have you ever awakened in the morning with your guts just tied up in knots over something? Have you ever felt like your idea of the way that things should be going in my life right now or just under a full attack.
from the enemy. If you have, then Psalm 3 is an instructional manual on how to pray. So let's put this prayer in its rightful historical context. Now, you have a heading above the Psalms that the editors do, like the ESV or the King James. Okay, that's not what we mean. That's not Bible. But the title there, in all caps, is Bible. A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Remember, David was king, and he was facing a military coup from his ungodly son, Absalom. And so how's David going to fight through this? The answer this morning in this psalm is that he will fight first, through prayer. Through crying out to the only true God. Yahweh. The one who chose Him and placed Him on the throne. The story is told in 2 Samuel chapters 15 to 18. You remember Absalom? He, he took a few years. He's gathering people manipulative and then the time comes as he leaves and he gathers thousands of fighting men of Israel to go with him and to march on Jerusalem the capital the palace in order to dethrone his own dad King David and David decided well, no, we're not going to fight right here and do this right now right now before they get here he and his mighty men Leave. Go out the gate through the Mount of Olives toward the Jordan River. Abandon the city. David, I think I'm accurate in this. He doesn't know whether this is God's doing. He doesn't know whether... God may be abandoning him in his kingdom through this coup of Absalom. He's tormented. Maybe he thought, maybe this is another temporal discipline of my God against me for my sin. Many and particularly with Bathsheba and what he did to Uriah, which he knows that the God who loves him and forgives his sin does that and did that to him by killing his son. But David also knew another reality at this moment. And that is that Absalom was setting himself up to dethrone 
the Lord's anointed. The one that the Lord temporally with David, ultimately with Jesus, we saw in Psalm 2. But the Lord set David on his holy hill. And so Absalom took counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, we saw two weeks ago in Psalm 2. I think that's what's spinning in David's heart and in his head as he's driven from the city and he's driven to pray as he and his men march towards the Jordan. David was in deeply troubled like every single one of you have been numerous times to one degree or another. You may be right now and you will be again until you go be with the Lord. Like Sean's dad recently and we buried him yesterday. Faithful. His work. His sanctification is done. And He awaits the rest of us before He will be raised from the dead. And so as we read through this prayer, we read through Psalm 3. Your own uncertainties, your own fears, your own troubles, are to find great comfort in identifying with David here. Because we all have enemies. The world is your enemy. If you're a true Christian, the world is your enemy. Your flesh is your enemy. Demonic power, Satan, is your enemy. Temptations are your enemy. Sickness, fear, a person. Or people gathered together in organizations, and bureaucracies, and governments may be your enemy. David had enemies. Verses 1 and 2. Oh, Yahweh. How many are my foes, my enemies? Many are rising against me. Many talk and, and they say about me and my soul, there is no salvation for David in God. God's against you, David. So that's how he opens. How many? How many? How many? How many things can go wrong? That feels a whole lot like life. 
the words spoken against David in his ear? And in the ears of Israel and even his own mighty men were extremely nasty. You can either turn or listen. Here's the context. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 to 8. They have left the gates. They're marching east. And when King David came to Baharim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David. And on all the servants of King David, and all the people, and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left and Shimei said, as he cursed, Get out! Get out, David! You man of blood, you worthless man. Yahweh has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And Yahweh has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. You see, your evil, David, is on you. For you are a man of blood. That's what he's saying. He said it over and over. And David's guys said, let's go kill him. And David said, no. For all I know, that's, that's Yahweh's judgment. On me. I don't know the end of this. Okay, I think that can be extremely <laughs> disturbing to the soul of David. Or to any of us who are also indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Because like David, we know there's truth there. We know our sin. And so thoughts come racing in. Right. I don't deserve to be delivered from Absalom. I don't deserve mercy. And that's what he's saying. And I know it's true. Maybe this is temporal discipline. As the book of Hebrews would tell us. Because Yahweh is merciful to me ultimately. And he is a father. And so here's David. His problem was not whether Yahweh, the God of the Exodus, the God who created everything, was not the problem of whether he could deliver him from Absalom and his army. He knew he could. David's problem was that he was uncertain whether God would. So what does he do? He does what we are to do. When all those thoughts, 
and the voices of people who hate you, and demonic powers, or people, your own tormented mind. Maybe this, maybe that. I don't know. I'm so in touch with my sin. You do what he did. You take all those thoughts and you spill them out directly to God. Verse 2. Lord, many are saying of my soul. They're saying there is no salvation for me. In God. Lord, they say that I am so bad that you now want nothing to do with me. That's what you do. You pour out your heart. You pour out your anguish. You pour out your fears. You pour out your tormented thoughts. If you need to, you pour them out when no one's around, actually with vocal cords. We'll see in a moment. And then, that leads to what is so key to our lives and to our prayers now. Once you do that, notice David then turns not to focus on himself. He doesn't turn to focus, but, but, but I have, I have, I've done this and I have. He doesn't focus on any of his deeds he turns to focus on who God is and on who he has been to David. Verses 3 and 4. But you, O Yahweh, are a shield about me. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to Yahweh, and he answered me from his holy so get his flow. Oh, how many, many, many enemies, oh Lord, and the nasty things they say about my predicament and about what you think of me and what you will not do for me. How many things can go wrong. But you. Let me pray back who you are and how you revealed yourself, Yahweh, to me, David. You are this and you're that and you're the other thing. That's his prayer. You are first a protecting you are a shield. David's used to that. He's a warrior. But mm -mm, not one in my arm. Yahweh, your shield. All the way 
around me, which is exactly what David needed in that historical context is Absalom and his army. They're searching for him in order to find him and run him through with swords and end his life and end his kingdom. And secondly, Lord, you have all resources. Anything that you would need to deliver me, you have it all. That's what he means when David calls him, you're my glory. You're my glory. That's the Hebrew word, kavod. Which always has this connotation of weightiness, of, of substance, of wealth. Compared to all the substance in the world, all the gold, all the wealth in the world. No, 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 no. You are that to me. That's his prayer. His kingdom is being stripped from him. He's on the run. But he says, Yahweh, you're my glory. No, you are are sufficient, you're enough. Even if it is your will that I live in exile in a cave until I die. And thirdly, David says, Yahweh, you are the restoring God. David calls him the one who lifts my head. I think that's his way of saying, even now, even with all this going around and this predicament I'm in, you bring to me right now from the inside of me, starting there, even though the outside hasn't changed yet, you bring from the inside out encouragement. You lift. Now let's, let's hear the context now again in a different place from the same passages here in chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, verse 30. Hear what's happening as David prays. And days later, a week later, he recorded it. Verse 30, chapter 15. But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, crying, weeping as he went, barefoot and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and they went up weeping as they went. And at some point, David prays Psalm 3. Many, oh how many are saying of my soul, there's no deliverance, there's no salvation for me in you, God. And then he says in verse 4, 
I cried aloud to the Lord. And he answered me from his holy hill. Vocalized, audible prayer. In the midst of losing his kingdom, maybe even his life, and his enemies telling him, God is utterly against you. David turns directly to that God. And he pours out his heart. And he pours out the truth about, I hear what they're saying, but you have revealed yourself to me, to your people. And I'm praying it back. To you, oh God. You're the protecting God. You're the sufficient and the restoring and the ever-present God. As we cover our heads in mourning of the catastrophe that is happening. Walking barefoot. And crying. You're here. Now, think about it. Get the context and you feel it. I mean, you would think when they had to camp out that first night and the second night, David's still being pursued by Absalom's thousands of soldiers. You'd think he wouldn't get any sleep. But he would just toss and turn all night long. But that's not what happened. Because he trusted. His faith rose and he trusted Yahweh. In verse 3. But you, O oh Lord, you're a shield around me. Verse 3, here's his prayer. You. Verse 5, therefore, That's the order. You, Lord Jesus, came because I'm a disgusting, unworthy, God belittling. Sinner. You came to suffer and to die because of me. Because of all of my sins. And you 
did it. And Lord Jesus, you came to do what Adam failed and I failed, and that is to live as a human being in perfect righteousness until you breathe your last. And you said, your righteousness, not mine, has been attributed to my account before the God of all the universe. There is no more wrath, O oh Lord. You and your wonderful gospel has said that to me. And therefore, whatever lies the enemy tells you, even this coming week as you wake up, you fight it with the truth of who Yahweh is, who manifested Himself in the flesh, became one of us forever, and defeated our greatest enemies, our sin and death, and reigns right now at the right hand of God. David teaches us to pray that way. Verse 3. You're a shield. They want to kill me. You're the shield. As for me, I'm going to sleep. Verse 5. Because of you, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for Yahweh sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. In other words, because you are who you are, O oh Lord, I can pass out and sleep the night away. David's writing those lines right there in the past tense. He recalls his experience a night earlier, or two or three earlier. And so first, he prayed he focused on God and His character and His protection and His reputation to David and how He has delivered him again and again. And then the effect upon David's inner being. I lay down. And that is past tense of lie down, okay? Everyone messes that up. It's right there. I lay down and I went to sleep. But it's more than just the past tense. It's also present and future. Because he goes on to say, I will not be afraid of... Now this is ominous. You've got to get it. It's Absalom's army. I won't be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. So one thing David shows us 
is that there's a kind of peace in the midst of turmoil. He slept without being overcome by fear. Even though he's still being pursued in the midst of this military coup, David had peace in the crisis. As far as David was concerned, Yahweh is God. He can look after this kingdom that he gave to me if he wants to. I need to go to bed. And he did. But verse 7 shows us that when David awakes in the morning, deliverance has not yet come. Verse 7. Hear the prayer. It is bold. Arise. Oh, Yahweh, get up, oh Lord, save me, oh my God, for you strike all my enemies on the jaw, cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. David's just, you, Yahweh, have defeated my enemies before me again and again and again. And I'm calling on you, do it again. I think many parts of the Bible just don't fit many present day Christians' theology. Like many places in Scripture... This right here describes God's actions as violent. Rise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. God, you slug them in the mouth and knock their teeth out. That's his prayer. David is asking God to get violent toward those who are coming against the Lord's anointed. Now, you might misread it and think, David, come on, man. Chill out. Why do you got to be so vengeful? Then you didn't read it right. This isn't about David being vengeful here. This is David praying. This is David asking God, you be vengeful on them. He commits justice, vengeance into Yahweh's hands. David's prayer his prayer, We're gonna, is he right or is he not? But his prayer is essentially, I'm in the right here. You placed me as king. 
This is an evil attack against you, O Yahweh. Arise and smash them in the mouth. That's his prayer. Paul's way of saying that to us New Testament Christians is Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never personally avenge yourselves. But, like David, leave it to the wrath of God. And you can do that because God, Yahweh, He has promised this as it is written. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And what comes after that? In Romans there, we are to respond like this. Lord Jesus, I will obey and I'll even do good to my enemies. And I will trust your sovereign will and your timing. Because I know Perfect justice, perfect jaw-breaking, it will be done sooner or later. For every soul of man, for every mass murderer through government, through every human being, on that day, it will be found to have been perfect justice enacted on all of those who belong to Christ because it was enacted on Jesus. And on all of those who do not belong to Him and have not found refuge in Yahweh, our Lord Jesus Christ, will stand condemned on that day. Now, in the context here of David's prayer marching out of Jerusalem, if he's going to be saved, then that will mean that Yahweh will have to cause Absalom and his army to be defeated. We all have enemies in this present evil world, as I repeat it again. Your greatest enemy is yourself. Myself. What Paul calls the old man. What he calls the flesh. What he calls, along with us, we're renewed by the Spirit, but we carry the sinful nature. 
we cry out, Lord. Smash him in the teeth. Oh, help me, Lord. And we have the enemy of the demonic realm which manifests in so, so many ways. And human beings, other human beings, our enemies, governments can be enemies for many, 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 many brothers and sisters in Christ over the centuries, much like David here, they faced enemies because of faith in Christ. And the enemy was physical violence with swords or guns or jails and laws and court systems. And they trusted. They trusted the one true God who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Much the way David ends Psalm 3. Salvation. It belongs. Another way from in other words, it is in the hands of the Lord. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessing, O Yahweh, beyond your people. The Lord Jesus promises. Trust me. It's coming. And for many who have gone before us, many who have been put to death this last year on this planet because of being a Christian, and throughout the centuries, we get a glimpse of what's happening right now. In Revelation 6, verses 9 to 10. And when he opened the fifth seal, I, John, saw under the altar the souls of those who had been killed for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before You will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Salvation belongs to the Lord. And there are two sides to that coin of salvation. And you do not want to be found on one side of that coin. Those who come against Yahweh, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
You don't want to be of those who refuse to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And the other side of that coin is ultimate, eternal deliverance from all of Yahweh's enemies. Especially, it's coming from your own sinful inclinations and death. Oh, it's coming. You know, I looked at Sean's dad as he lay yesterday, dead, just the body. You know, for Joe Lopez, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessing be on your people. But so let's not miss this. David is praying for temporal deliverance here. And it's not just about his own situation, his own emergency, his own fears, his own enemies in the 10th century B.C., because of what he says. He implies these situations, these temporal ones, these experiences of all of Jesus' people. He delivers as He has many of you time and again and until your final breath will deliver you here and there time and again because salvation is in the hands of our sovereign King. His blessing because of Christ is on His people. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Father. Oh, as through David, through this prayer, and through your Apostle Paul, we can joyously, confidently say, the Lord, you are a helper. You who did not spare your own son, but you, you gave him, you sent him, and you delivered him up to your wrath on our behalf. And therefore, how shall you not also by him and with him through this life of pain and tears also freely give to us everything we need to be faithful to the end, to the glory of your name.